Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, for Book 7, Chapter 5 of Wooden Books, New Mansion, but Reckless Spending, Papa B would not approve, and the newest button book is not thriving. Notice how I'm just not using many names, because I think the characters have sunk in so little that I struggle to remember Papa B's, you know, what was Tom Buddenbrook's father's name? Was it also Tom? I can't remember. And the baby? Can't remember his name. Junior? Junior Buddenbrook? Uh, it's not a good sign for the engagement levels for me with the characters. Swim said the mama fish, he says this. Reckless spending is a very good term. The telling passage for me is this. It was not out of arrogance then that Senator Buddenbrook spent this summer of 63 walking about with his mind full of plans to build a grand new house. A happy man stays where he is. Also, is it a coincidence that Thomas builds his house across the street from the flower shop? There stood Ewerson, the owner, a blonde giant of a man in a woolen jacket, and beside him his wife, a woman of much slighter build, with a dark Mediterranean-looking face. Oh, shit, says Zock. I didn't catch that. Me too. Is that the girl that he had a crush on early in the book? Damn. That's cool. Um, Techrific says, Our wishes and our endeavours arise from certain needs of our nervous system. Sounds like a truism, but I think it's interesting to see it expressed in a novel from this time period. So much of this book has been preoccupied with the question of desires and endeavours. How much conformity can a person stand and still retain any real individuality? How original can one person be if they only conform to the wishes of society around them? Building a house is a noble endeavour. Provide shelter for your family, a place of safety, comfort and joy. But it can be tainted. It's a vanity project. If its purpose is not the noble things I mentioned, but on the contrary, to glorify your status, to display your wealth and position in life, that question becomes rhetorical. I think it just to go back a little bit, you can be individual within a set of bounds. I think um, oftentimes a set of boundaries around uh, around you, I guess, or around your creativity inspire you to in some ways be more creative. Um... I think we work well within confines, within boundaries, and we like to push those boundaries, explore the <clears throat> within the rules we're given. What create? <coughs> excuse me. What can we do creatively? Uh, <coughs> I've got a bit of a feather in the throat situation going on here. <clears throat> All right, chapter six goes like this. One Sunday at the beginning of July, Senator Buddenbrook had moved some four weeks before Frau Permanita appeared at her brother's house towards evening. She crossed the cool ground, paved with flags and decorated with reliefs by Thorwaldston, whence there was a door leading into the burrow. She rang at the vestibule door. It could be opened from the kitchen by pressing a rubber bulb and entered the spacious lobby where at the foot of the steps stood the bear presented by Tibertius and Clara. Here she learned from Anton that the senator was still at work. Very good, Anton, she said. I will go to him. Yet she did not at once go at once into the office, but passed the door that led into it 
and stood at the bottom of the splendid staircase, which as far as the first story had a cast iron balustrade, but at the distance of the second story became a wide pillared balcony in white and gold, with a great gilt chandelier hanging down from the skylight's dizzy height. Very elegant, said Frau Permanida softly, in a tone of great satisfaction, gazing up into this spacious magnificence. To her it meant quite simply the power, the brilliance, and the triumph of the Buddenbrook family. But now it occurred to her that she was not, in fact, come upon a very cheerful errand, and she slowly turned away and passed through the door into the office. Thomas sat there quite alone in his place by the window, writing a letter. He glanced up, raised an eyebrow, and put out his hand to his sister. "'Evening, Tony. What's the good word?' Oh, nothing very good, Tom. Oh, your staircase, it's just too splendid. Why are you sitting here writing in the dark? It was a pressing letter. Well, nothing very good, eh? Come into the garden a little. It's a pleasant... It is pleasanter out there. Oh, as they crossed the entry, a violin adiagio came trillingly down from the story above. Listen, said Tony, and paused a moment. Gerda is playing. How heavenly. What a woman. She isn't a woman, she is a fairy. How is Hanno, Tom? Just having his supper with Jungman. Too bad he is so slow about walking. Oh, that will come, Tom, that will come. Are you pleased with Ida? Why not? They crossed the flags at the back, leaving the kitchen on the right, went through a glass door and up two steps into the lovely scented flower garden. Well, the senator asked. It was warm and still, the fragrance from the neat beds and borders hung in the evening air, and the fountain, surrounded by tall, pale purple iris, sent its stream gently plashing heavenward, whereof the first stars began to gleam. In the background, an open flight of steps flanked by low obelisks led up to the gravelled terrace with an open wooded, wooden pavilion. A closed marquee and some garden chairs on the left hand was the property wall between them, and the next garden. On the right, the side wall and the next house was covered with a wooden trellis intended for climbing plants. There were a few currant and gooseberry bushes at the sides of the terrace steps, but there was only one tree, a large gnarled walnut by the left-hand wall. The thing is this, answered Frau Permanida, with some hesitation, as the border, sorry, as the brother and sister began to pace the gravel path, of the fore part of the garden, Tibertius has written. Clara questioned Thomas. Please don't make a long story of it. Yes, Tom. She is in bed. She is very bad. The doctor is afraid of tuberculosis of the brain. I can hardly speak the words. Here is the letter Tiberius wrote me, and enclosed another from mother, for mother, sorry, which we are to give her when we have prepared her a little. It tells the same story, and there is this second enclosure to Mother from Clara herself, written in pencil in a shaky hand, and Tiberius wrote that she herself said they were the last she would write, for it seems the sad thing is she makes no effort to live. She was always longing for heaven, finished Frau Promenader, and wiped her eyes. The senator walked at her side, his hands behind his back, his head bowed. You're so quiet, Tom, but you are right. What is there to say, just now, too, when Christian lies ill in Hamburg? For this was in fact the state of things. Christian's mis misery in the left side 
had increased so much of late that it had become actual pain, severe enough to make him forget all smaller woes. He was quite helpless, and he had written to his mother from London that he was coming home for her to take care of him. He quit his situation in London and started off, but at Hamburg had been obliged to take to his bed. The doctor diagnosed his ailment as rheumatism of the joints, and he had been removed from his hotel to a hospital. Any further journey was for the time impossible. There he lay and dictated to his attendant letters that betrayed extreme depression. Yes, said the senator quietly, it seems as if one thing just followed another. She put her arm for an instant across his shoulders. But you mustn't give way, Tom. This is no time for you to be downhearted. You need all your courage. Yes, good. God knows I need it. What do you mean, Tom? Tell me, why were you so quiet Thursday afternoon at dinner, if I may ask? Oh, business, my child. I had to sell no very small quantity of grain, not very advantageously, or rather I had to sell a large quantity very much at a loss. Well, that happens, Tom. You sell at a loss today, and tomorrow you make it good again, to get discouraged over a thing of that kind. Wrong, Tony, he said, and shook his head. My courage does not go down to zero because I have a piece of bad luck. It's the other way on. I believe in that, and events show it. But what is the matter with it, then? She asked, surprised and alarmed. One would think you have enough to make you happy, Tom. Clara is alive, and with God's help she will get better. And as for everything else, here we are, walking about in your own garden, and it all smells so sweet. And yonder is your house, a dream of a house. Herman Hagenstrom's is a dog kennel beside it. And you have done all that. Yes, it is almost too beautiful, Tony, I tell you. It is too new. It jars on me a little. Perhaps that, that is what is the matter with me. It may be responsible for the bad mood that comes over me and spoils everything. I looked forward immensely to all this, but the anticipation was the best part of it. It always is. Everything gets done too slowly, so when it is finished, the pleasure is already gone. The pleasure is gone, Tom, at your age. And a, ma a man is as young or as old as he feels, and when one gets one's wish too late or works too hard for it, it comes already weighted with all sorts of small vexations, drawbacks, with all the dust of reality upon it that one did not reckon with on f in fancy. It is so irritating, so irritating. Oh yes, but what do you mean by as old as you feel? Why, Tony, it is a mood, certainly. It may pass. But just now I feel older than I am. I have business cares. And at the director's meeting of the Bushen Railway yesterday, Consul Hagenstrom simply talked me down, refuted my contentions, nearly made me appear ridiculous. I feel that I could not have happened. It, I could... It, sorry, I feel that, I feel that could not have happened to me before. It is as though something had begun to slip, as though I haven't the firm grip I had on events. What is success? It is an, it is an inner, an indescribable force, resourcefulness, power of vision, a consciousness that I am, by my mere existence, exerting pressure on the movement of life about me. It is my belief in the adaptability of life to my own ends. Fortune and success lie with ourselves. We must hold them firmly deep within us. 
For as soon as something begins to slip, to relax, to get tired within us, then everything without us will rebel and struggle to withdraw from our influence. One thing follows another, blow after blow, and then and the man is finished. Often and often, in these days, I have thought of a Turkish proverb. It says, when the house is finished, death comes. It doesn't need to be death, but the decline, the falling off, the beginning of the end, you know, Tony. He went on in still lower voice, putting his arm underneath his sister's. When Hanno was christened, you said, it looks as if quite a new life would dawn for us all. I can still hear you say it, and I thought that that then that you were right, for I was elected senator and was fortunate in my business, and this house seemed to spring up out of the ground. But the senator and this house are superficial after all. I know from life and from history something you have not thought of. Often the outward and visible material signs and symbols of happiness and success only show themselves when the process of decline has already set in. The outer manifestations take time, like the light of the star, that star up there which may in reality be already quenched when it looks to us to be shining its brightest. He ceased to speak and they walked for a while in silence while the fountain gently murmured and a whispering sounded sounded from the top of the walnut tree. Then Frau Pomanita breathed such a heavy sigh that it sounded like a sob. How sadly you talk, Tom. You never spoke so sadly before, but it is good to speak out, and it will help you to put all that kind of thoughts out of your mind. Yes, Tony, I must try to do that. I know as well as I can. And now give me the enclosures from Clara and the pastor. It will be best, won't it, for me to take over the matter and speak tomorrow morning with mother poor mother if it is really tuberculosis one may as well give up hope alrighty there we go Tom's given up hope might as well damn it really does feel like that chapter was the beginning of the end doesn't it for these guys uh, all right, have a chit-chat on the subreddit, and I'll catch you tomorrow.